Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I've got such a treat for you today. We are going to be talking to my good friend, Angela Breidenbach. And for those of you that are listening on the computer, go to her website, AngelaBreidenbach.com. Now, she has so many books. She has a new book out called The Mail Order Standoff. Now, this is a historical series, and we're so excited because we get to talk to this author because she is an expert in genealogy. She lives in Montana. She is, you know, the head of the Christian Authors Network. And most importantly, she's my very good friend and mentor, and she's just an amazing woman, and she's a grandma. You're just going to love her, and you want to check out her book, The Mail Order Standoff, and she's got tons of books. How many books do you have right now, Angela? I have 18, but some of them I've got the rights back to, so I'm going to put some others out again, which is really cool. And, And my first one, I have to be honest, was a a guide to help you go through the airports if you didn't speak the language. <laughs> I want to put that one back out now that. The <laughs> well, like, you know, I look at your history here and I see, you know, the debutante queen and 11 pipers piping and snowflake tiara, like, and then, you know, I kind of move forward and I see, you know, the, the healing heart and then out of the element. And then you've got all these collections where you are with, really, really top authors. I know, I know a bunch. I know that like scares me sometimes. I get really intimidated when I see these people that I kind of grew into the business reading and then like they'll invite me to be a part of a collection and I'm still starstruck by them, you know. Well, I I start struck by you because I knew about you before we even met. Like I knew your name. I knew about you. Uh, Well, I'm a romance reader. Like I, and I love historicals. I love, I like anything that's good. And you are a really good writer. You're tight. You're clean. You don't fill it with a lot of stuff that bores me. You know, sometimes I skip pages just get to the next part. I mean, pacing in a book is really important and you have a good pace, you have good word choice and your characters are relatable, believable and likable, you know, because when I went to journalism school, I learned a formula that said a good book has characters that we care about doing something interesting that has a point to it. You know, oh, that I mean? is brilliant. Isn't that, it's just a simple formula because I yeah. think a lot of people can write great characters, Yeah. but then we don't care about them. You know, we have to care about the character. Then they have to do something interesting. You know, the book has to be interesting. They have to have interesting adventures, but how many books have you read that at the end just go, well, what was the point? Yeah. You know, I've learned a couple of things that I thought were really cool um, from people who write movies. And of course, I've taken classes in screenwriting and I've got two. Um, they're not, I don't know if you, I'm contracted with the, with five by five productions for these TV series. And I've got a third one in development, but they're not sold yet. So, right. you know, those are, those are, those are on my, um, sure, I live in Los Angeles. I get it. Like until there, yeah. until there's a showrunner attached and there's a production company behind it, but it exactly. doesn't mean, but this is how everything starts. 
Right. And so what I've learned, though, through Hollywood stuff, and I, I was always, always wanted to write um, movies. I didn't know I wanted to write TV until um, J.D. DeWitt from 5 by 5 said, no, I know you think that's a movie, but that's a TV series. And I was like, what? <laughs> and of course, it has, it's genealogy at the, at the center of it. And she's like, yeah, try a TV series. I'm like, but I've studied all this time to write screenplays for movies. So I literally rebooted two years ago and started learning how to write television series. And so you'll but see. But it all helps. Like, let's be honest. Like, yeah. I've had to take, you know, I've had to take courses in, in post-production. And that has helped me put stories together in a better way because I understand how things are going to be edited together. Like, it's, it's never a waste. No. And here's what is it. Like, if people want to follow me on BookBub, they can follow me at BookBub slash Ange Breidenbach. In fact, any social media, you can follow me at Ange Breidenbach. And it's A-N-G-B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. Why Ange Breidenbach? Because my name is so doggone long. <laughs> but so Ange Breidenbach on any social media. Anyway, what you'll see on BookBub is all of these like screenwriting and TV um, series books and things like that, which is comedic for a historical romance writer that all of a sudden you see all of these nonfiction how-to books on screenwriting. And um, so what's really fun though about learning screenwriting is it makes you a better fiction writer. Yeah. It makes you a better nonfiction writer too, because a lot of times people want to tell their life story, but like you said, it rambles and there's no point. And they start with, I always go to this, Steve Martin line because it's so funny I was born a poor black child and it, <laughs> you know and it's so funny because um, everybody unless it's funny unless there's a point to that reasoning and for him the reasoning was he was raised in a family that was different than him and it was a reverse on you know a lot of people going and adopting in other countries and coming back and they're completely different um, you know racial features in them and so there's been a, a real push for people to learn how to raise a child that isn't of their same racial background or even country of origin background to help them understand who they really are. And, uh, and what's funny about Steve Martin doing is he flipped that on its head. Right. Yeah. And, but the thing about it is that when you try to write a story, no matter if it's fiction or nonfiction, you cannot, unless there's a purpose to it um, where it was in Steve Martin's movie, Right, then right. you cannot start with I was born, you know, and a lot of people try the I was born thing and then they try with their with their character. And I think I did this in the beginning, too. Um, my characters were born. And, you know, <laughs> what difference does it make to the story? And so if you're writing memoir or you're writing a fiction story, really what you need to think of is taking a magnifying glass on a certain point in their life. And what was dramatic or incredible? or funny or amazing that happened at that certain point in their life. Angela, I'm just going to stop you uh, for a second here because I really want to thank our sponsor. You know, we're a talk show. Our sponsor is Talkspace. And, you know, it's really great because Talkspace is online therapy that lets you connect with a licensed therapist for a fraction of the price of in-person therapy. And you get matched with your perfect therapist from the comfort of your own device and you can reach out 24 Four seven, You know, and taking care of your mental health is a necessity. It shouldn't 
break the bank. And one of the things, you know, as we talk about judgment in today's show, can you imagine having a personalized judgment-free support system available to you for 24-7 for as little as $65 a week? Now, that's amazing when you think about it. And what I love about Talkspace is it's affordable. It's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. And now Talkspace covers 40 million people for online therapy through their insurance or their employer. They have a huge network. The Talkspace network is comprised of thousands of licensed therapists experienced in treating depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, relationship issues, food and eating, and so much more. And it's secure. Talkspace is secure and private. It's using the latest encryption technology to keep your information safe. So, you know, we all need someone to talk to. And Talkspace wants to give us the support we deserve at a price we can afford. So match with your perfect therapist at Talkspace.com or you can download the Talkspace app. And don't forget to use the promo code MILITARYMOM at checkout for $100 off your first month. That's $100 off your first month at Talkspace.com, promo code MILITARYMOM, like today's show, Military Mom Talk Radio. You know, we're talking to Angela Breidenbach today. We're talking about writing memoirs or writing fiction. And we were talking a little bit about the timing used in that. Angela, can you explain that a little bit more for us? So a lot of us think a memoir or a fiction story is the whole gambit. It's not. You're better off to write a memoir series about certain points in your life than you are to try to write your whole life in one book. Wow. And it's, that's what movie writing taught me, you know, and I learned from like Michael Haug, H-A-U-G-E, and you'll see his books on my book bub, you'll see, you know. Uh, Ted Bear, B-A-E-H-R, and he runs uh, the nonprofit The Movie Guide, where they also have contests and things like that, which is great. And so I've gone to his classes, I've gone to Michael Haug's classes, I've gone to uh, J.D. DeWitt's classes, I've gone to International Christian Visual Media, which is icbm.com. You know, so there's a whole bunch. I've gone to NRB, National um, Religious Broadcasters. You know, you go to all these different organizations. And the thing I kept taking away was that they really wanted you to focus on this moment, this little circle focused on like a microscope or a magnifying glass, that moment in time, and how that moment in time turns into an amazing story. Yeah. And so that really helped me in writing. So if somebody wants, there's, I think there's a lot of people who want to write their own life stories. Sure. But what I've done is taken my life and put it into fiction. Mm-hmm. And the reason is they say, write what you know. Well, they don't necessarily mean write you that you know you. They mean put your characteristic or your experience into another character and let the world see it through their eyes. And the beauty with that is that you can write a lot in there, um, you know, without embarrassment. Because right. a lot of people are like, what if somebody reads this? <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> if you read my books, you're, you're reading my soul, you know, because there's, there's been times when um, the one you were talking about, uh, uh, the debutante queen, that's on Audible. And um, that one, I was actually in um, beauty pageants growing up because I never felt good enough. Right. And always those beauty queens, they were good enough. Right. So I did that. But then uh, in my older years, I learned that 
It had nothing to do with a crown on your head that made you special. And it had everything to do with what you did with what was given to you. Right. And so I turned that character uh, into someone who volunteers uh, and saves children. And that has become a real big part of my life, but uh, it's done as my volunteer stuff off, you know, not, not my public face, you know? And so I wrote it into the story because what do you do with um, children that are being abused or children that are homeless on the streets? And so that went forward into 11 Piper's Piping, which is an ebook and also an audible. Um, and that one is reminiscent of uh, little men. So you got little women. And then the second book in the series from Louisa Melly Alcott is little men. And what happened was I ended up being a mom of six kids and three of them were boys. And I had one natural daughter and two stepdaughters. Well, the, my house became the boy house. Mm -hmm. At my house, there were anywhere from five to eight boys at any, any given time eating us out of house and home, right? <laughs> and I had this great experience of being a mom to a lot of boys that weren't my own either. And uh, what was beautiful about that was the understanding of how these boys needed a woman to talk to to talk about the girl that just broke up with them or the girl that they were wishing about and to feel safe with. And I realized the best way to do that was to feed them. And so, you know, um, in this series um, with the debutante queen and 11 Piper's piping, um, and then it goes on to um, taking the plunge. Uh, you keep seeing these um, little children and these boys as they kind of grow up and they're always in need of an adult in their life. And that adult has a heart of compassion to feed them, take care of them, teach them. I taught synchronized swimming for a while. And so I used that in taking the plunge, you know, and uh, so it was really fun. And I have new book covers for those stories and I'm going to put them out uh, wide right now. They're only available on um, Amazon and audible, but this fall, they're going to come out. The series is being retitled Queen of the Rockies. I don't know whether I'll retitle the books themselves. I've got to look at that, but I've got these gorgeous book covers. I can't wait to use. Oh, I and can't then, wait Yeah. And then the fourth book in that series was only out for a short time before everything kind of went wonky with a publisher. And a lot of publishers, you know, have been going out of business and all this kind of stuff. And I got the rights back to that. And um, The Bitter at Bride was very much my story of growing up um, not knowing how to connect to other human beings in my conversation or how to read them. I couldn't read people. And, uh, you know, it has a lot to do with coming out of a, uh, I had an alcoholic stepdad and a mentally ill mom. And, you know, your listeners have probably heard that before. But I, I was desperate to try to figure out how to communicate with people. I was so lonesome and so... Um, just hurt as a child. And so what happened was the bitter bride. Um, and now another very famous author has used that title. So that one might get retitled before it comes out, but it's, uh, I have her as a character who doesn't know how to read because she sacrifices herself for her brother and sister mm -hmm. after her parents are gone. When they're very young, she goes into a bordello and becomes quite the fancy lady, quite the famous fancy lady but that way she pays for her brother and sister yeah. to go to school. Well, she never learned to read. She never went to school. And that is a parallel for me, not knowing how to read people 
or make friends or understand people as a, as a child and into my early adulthood. And so she's very much um, the heart and soul of me, you know, as you do it. And I just used reading because I think uh, unless you lived through a situation where you didn't get taught you know, interpersonal connectivity, it would be very hard to connect to, you know, so you right, the connectivity is broken because of illness or injury or mm-hmm. employment or, you know, any number of things can mm-hmm. interrupt that development. Yeah. And I think, well, military moms could really understand that for their yeah. children too, because if a military mom is active duty and gone or her uh, husband is active duty and gone and the children are missing. We mm-hmm. do have situations with both now. You are so right. You are so right. And I think that connectivity is crucial. And so that one, um, when that one comes out, they're going to start coming out fall of 2020 with their new book covers and uh, a little bit of updating and things like that. And I'm really excited about those because of, um, yeah, those are their heart and soul kind of things. They're really me. Each character has a little element. And that's the thing is each character just has a little element of you. And well, it's only because aspect of you. Yeah. It's not all of you, you know, um, but I'm going to have fun because uh, coming out and it's going to go wide immediately. I'm going to do. What does uh, that mean? It's going to go wide. What, oh, what going wide. Mean? It means that you can find books like, um, so like mail order standoff, which is a historical collection with four authors in it. And I really love this book. You know, it's got, it's got me. It's got Margaret Brownlee. It's got Susan Page Davis and Vicki McDonough. Vicki McDonough has become a very close friend of mine. Um, Margaret and I are friendly and Susan Page Davis is a very nice friend, but Vicki has become a very close friend and, um, there's humor in this historical series, but this series is available wide. And what that means is, or I'm sorry, this uh, collection is available wide means you can get it in nearly any bookstore all over the world. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it at, uh, you can also get it at Amazon, but it's definitely not the biggest place to buy it. Um, you can buy it at just your independent bookstore down the street. You can buy it at, um, there's, there's Christian book distributors online too. And there's just, you can buy it anywhere. And, uh, if you sign up to follow me on BookBub, uh, at Ange Breidenbach, BookBub slash Ange Breidenbach. I'm doing that right now. I'm going to put that right yeah. up on the screen. That's so cool. That, um, you will get, when I have new releases, you will get notified right away when I have new releases, but this one's up there as the latest release. Um, this one was fun too, because, you know, I live in Montana, but I travel a lot. And so one of the things that I was researching another book, the one before this, and I ran across, um, time zones and I'm like, I wonder how long time zones have been in existence. I mean, it was the stupidest question. And I, and I'm like, but I wanted to know. And it mattered because this book had a lot to do with trains, you know, the trains in the 1880s and stuff. Well, I found out that time zones came into being in 1883, which is the same year my grandpa was born. And I'm like, that's really cool. I wanted to research more about the world he was born into. And so that really went into um, the mail order standoff in my show, my uh, novella, Right on Time. And so it's like the, and to learn the story of how the time zones came to be is, is kind of cool. And then, you know, horses, Montana, and what was it like? And the other thing I didn't know was that in the 1880s, Montana was a huge provider 
um, for developing racehorses for oh. Kentucky. Yeah. And so it's kind of really cool to kind of go back and forth between that. And some, a lot of the racehorses, the stock originally would come out of like England. And so I'm like, well, how do I include that in the story? <laughs> you know? And so I brought in this um, third son of an earl, you know, who, and, but if you're the second, third, fourth son of an earl, heaven help you because, you know, you rarely get anything um, because it, it was still the, the first son, you know, got everything. Sure. And even women's inheritance rights were pretty iffy all the way up into um, the 1930s and stuff. So, and especially to, for children, they couldn't have, have rights to their own children all the way up into the, the later, you know, of the early 1900s, they were, you were kind of getting toward mid 1900s before women had the right to keep their children. If the father died, the children were considered orphaned. Wow. And even if their mother was alive, and so there was, you know, there was a lot of things like that, that I was able to, through genealogy, you know, the genealogical studies, um, I still have eight classes for my specialties. I've got my um, professional um, certification for um, methodology and all that, but I don't have yet my English and Scottish certificates. Those come with eight more classes. Okay. So, um, but yes, I'm a professional, but I wanted specialization. So you can get your general general, and I want it special. So there's going to be a lot of that showing up in you know later books, and then it's already written into my TV shows, and waiting for those to <laughs> sell. But yeah, this one is from Barber Publishing, and um, just about any bookseller you can think of or that you love, you can um, you can buy it at. And that's what I'm going to do now with um, the books that I'm doing as an indie is I'm going wide, which means you can get it at any bookseller. Um, for those that want to write indie, going through Ingram Spark is really good to get into catalogs that independent and regular uh, chain bookstores can buy through. Nice. But you can also do international book sales, and they do Australia and the UK now, Ingram Spark does. And they've built um, production places there where they can print on demand in the other countries, which is really nice. Australia is so expensive to buy a book. So I was really glad to hear they did yeah, that. Yeah, it is. It is very yeah. expensive. When my Australian friends come to stay with me, they come to visit, they like go home with like, there are no clothes. Like the suitcase is just full of books because books are so inexpensive here. I had a friend do that with uh, Mac laptops because her children were homeschooling and she had other family members who were um, needing them for work and stuff. She came with those suitcase and filled them up with Mac laptops and Mac iPhones because it was better for them that way. And then of course she took another suitcase home with books. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. I mean, you don't think yeah. about, you know, how blessed we are, um, here just to have this type of, you know, ability to read, you know, you go on book, Bob, I, I was doing it while, you know, you were talking and you look and you can, you know, you can get books for a dollar ninety nine, two, three, four, And, you know, it's, it's nice because you also get to look at recommendations. You get to read their blog. You know, I found you on there and I see all your books on there and it's terrific. You see most of them. There's a few yeah. I haven't released yet. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to see all your books, go to AngelaBreidenbach.com, and that's spelled A-N-G-E-L-A-B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. So yeah, it's kind of a mouthful, AngelaBreidenbach.com. I haven't really told people 
church, there's a few people that know I'm a writer, but I think they don't necessarily know what that means when you just meet somebody in person and you walk around in a ponytail and shorts. They don't know who you are. And it was really funny because my husband went to help our priest move. And um, he, he, one of the other guys was there helping. And he said, I was trying to figure out how to spell your name. And he's like, I think your wife is like a writer or something because there was, and, and my husband started really? laughing and he's like, yeah, that's what she does. <laughs> yeah. And people don't always know. And it's, it's, um, that tells me I'm not doing very good on marketing, but then I don't really market at church. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, you know, it's like I don't the do same that. thing where yeah. I am. Like, you know, I'm on the radio, you know, sometimes four, five, six, seven hours, sometimes 10 hours in a week if it's a really busy week. And you know, I don't, I don't tell people that, like I go to the middle school and the, the grammar school and the high school, you know, I don't walk around going, Hey, did you see my show? Hey, did you listen? And you know, on yeah. my social media, if I put a show up, it's because I'm particularly proud of the guest, not yeah. me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll be like, yeah. Hey, I was, you know, doing a show with this person. Isn't this great? But my shows are not about me. You know, my shows are about the interesting people I meet, the stories they have to tell and the things That's why I like doing. your shows. I've got your on um, overdrive is my uh, podcasting. And I just listened to a show recently and I, I was like, I was like, I really love that show. <laughs> and it was, it was so much fun, but there, yeah. And so it was kind of cute because um, he came home and he goes, Hey, somebody didn't know who you were. <laughs> I'm so surprised. <laughs> Not at all. I said, sweetie, I don't tell people at church. No, <laughs> you know? no. You know, cause it's you know? like, you know, the other thing too is when you're an artist, like we are, like, you know, we're in the media arts or the digital arts, however you want to put them or the written arts. It's, it's nice to have a break from that. You know, like I like to go and just hang out with people and not talk about work. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, and you don't want people at church to get standoffish for any reason. Like they might uh, be afraid of you or they, you know, they just don't know if they can talk to you or some weird, weird thing like that. It's like, um, I'm the same person you know? And so that was, that was kind of funny. So I, you know, I haven't seen this family since he said that because we, with the COVID going on and all that, um, we've been doing church on zoom, sure. you know, and also one of my other favorite things to do, um, this during the weekends, we have my mother-in-law who will be 92 in a couple oh. of days. I know it's amazing. And we have her up to dinner usually on a Saturday or Sunday night. And I'm of Scottish, I've, I have a lot of different descents, but I'm also of Scottish descent. And um, we went to Cars Fair in Scotland uh, about a year and a half ago, which is the parish where my um, four and fifth, fourth and fifth, and maybe further back, um, grandparents came out of. Wow. And, yeah, it was so cool to go to that parish. And we went to church there and just loved it and got to go to the sheep farm that my family used to, you know, live on and um, we think own and we think it was taken away from them during the killing times, the late 1600s, because they were, they were Presbyterian and they were killing Presbyterians for reading the Bible because you weren't allowed to read the Bible. And they were taking away their animals and their farms and all the records are mysteriously missing for that farm during that time. Wow. Yeah. And any, 
but that's where um, my they wrote down where they came from. Mm-hmm. And that's come down through the family, that actual writing. So it was really cool. So I went there and I really enjoyed church there. We were singing the same hymns and they do the same uh, scripture readings and things like that as we do. At, you know, it's just a natural progression of, of faith. And it was really cool. And the, uh, I don't know what they call a Presbyterian. Is it a pastor? Um, the, I think he's a pastor or reverend. I think he was called reverend. Right, right, reverend. And he has been doing these amazing um, worship services on YouTube since uh, I think it's like March 29th. Wow. And, and he progressively, they're better and better and better. And they're stunning and is so peaceful and, and peace giving. It's very biblically based, but he does these incredibly gorgeous visuals. He does his own photography because that's his hobby, I guess. Mm-hmm. And his name is David and um, Reverend David Bartholomew. And the YouTube channel is Ball McClellan, B-A-L-M-A-C. Yeah, B-A-L-M-A-C-L-E-L-L-A-N, Ball McClellan. And it's actually really long because it's a mixture of like three or four parishes, right? And Carsfern is one of the parishes. And um, this, so we went to see this sheep farm, which was originally 12 miles by 12 miles. Wow. I'm thinking they're going to show me something that's like maybe 400 acres or something. Right, exactly. Like by American standards. Blew my mind. And uh, the water of Duh, D-E-U-G-H, is the river that's the boundary of the back part of this property. It was just stunning. And it's right by um, the... Look Dune, D-O-O-N, which flows into the River Dune, which the bridge of Brigadoon goes over. Oh, very and cool. I was just like, oh my gosh, <clears throat> my mind was blown, you know, because I've been in Brigadoon the musical as an actress twice, and it's my favorite, and I know it's like 1950s, you know, just amazing uh, to me, I love that, and to find out my family was where this all originated, just yes. my, I, you know, because I knew, I thought it was very, very fictional, and it is fiction set in reality, but it's um, the the time frame. So if you if you get the poetry of um, Robert Burns, and it's written in the Scots language, S C O T S. Um, and it's readable to us today. It's a little hard for regular American English readers, but it's it, it's readable. And the the thing with it is, my family was spoke Scots, right? And so there's it was it's easier for me because my grandpa it just kind of came down a little bit. But at the same time, uh, this was during the time of the fear of the witches, right? And so, yes, we had this happening in Salem where there was all the witch trials and the witch burnings. Well, this was also happening in Scotland. And so the the poem, Tam O'Shanter, is really based right there. And it is the Brigadoon, the bridge that he's running over. And so the person who wrote Brigadoon, this modern musical version, um, has to have been very influenced by this, the Scots language, by this, by Robert Burns poetry, and by the story of Tam O'Shanter being chased over the water. And when you go there and you look at the bridge, there are certain designs in the rockwork, right? Because 
supposedly witches were afraid of going over water. And so they would put in these. they drown them too? Yeah, yeah. And so it was, and if you drowned, then you weren't a witch. <laughs> so it's like, what is the point? <laughs> My dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, she died, but okay, I guess she gets to go to heaven. <laughs> you know, that was exactly what they were doing. Wow. And so when you, when you sit there and this is all kind of during that time frame. Mm-hmm. And that's when my family, um, and they were Presbyterians. And so there was this, this crazy, um, betrayal of the people Yeah. and by the King who had promised them they could have their own church. And then, then the, the, uh, the nobility didn't like that. So the King flip-flopped on them. And that's when they all started to be very seriously persecuted. Land stolen and all this stuff. Yeah. So there's all of this kind of stuff is going to be going into like future TV shows, movies, books, that kind of a thing, because there's, there's so much um, joy in me to like, just ferret out all of those, those historical details that are really almost lost to us now. And I want to preserve them. Yeah. And that's kind of what was going on with like the mail order standoff too. Is like, Oh my gosh, nobody today knows how, the um the the time zones came to be right. nobody you know and i thought well that's kind of a cool place to just set a story and just start it off like that you know and, yeah, right because uh, you know we think about these things and we take them for granted mm-hmm. and that's what i like to do is like as a historical writer is really just find ferret out those really unusual unknown pieces of history and then put in a character that uh, experiences things through that time and how would you react and what would you do? And right. And forgotten, you know, things that have been forgotten. Maybe, maybe people knew at the time when the time zones were developed, Oh, this is why we're doing this, but it's when it's forgotten. Yeah. I mean, when you had hundreds and hundreds of different times in, in, even in a state, you know, or a territory, because they weren't all states back then, you know? Um, But the North American continent, is the the people who actually created time zones and you have to dive a little bit deeper and who were those people and why and what was happening and what caused it and why did anybody care wasn't you know because if you hear that um noon is when the sun is straight overhead well it's not straight overhead here as it is you know anywhere else and they used to use like the church bells to how far away did it take you to hear the church bell that was how you set your clock Wow. And it was just like so weird. So just putting in tidbits. I mean, you don't, I don't focus on it. It's just little tidbits of description. Um, That's to me what brings that, you know, the story to life. Yeah. That's so cool. That's fun. Yeah. So when you, so when you're writing, you know, you really are putting, you know, kind of your life, your experience, your knowledge, even your, a little bit of your family history in there. Mm Mm-hmm. I do it for, for fun for me because it makes it fun for me to write it. But, you know, you wouldn't know, oh, that's, you know, during Angela's grandpa's time. And you wouldn't know that the farming and the stuff like that was stuff that he did. It's just a, you know, fictional character doing those kinds of things. But yeah, it's, it's fun for me to explore what would it have been like during those times for my, what kind of a world was my grandpa born into? And so for me, it's the exploration of that. But for the reader, it's it's the fun of just exploring the time, you know, and hopefully they get the the significance of how things came to be the way they are 
-hmm. in our modern world because of how they were started then. And I think a lot of times in our modern world, we forget that we're doing the exact same thing for people a hundred years from now. You know, we're creating systems that people will use a hundred years from now and maybe 500 years from now. I mean, look at our, look at our calendars, you know, and if you go back genealogy, um, when you're studying the calendar, which uh, I'm going to have, Oh, I might have to add some twist in there on this. Oh, thank you for the idea, Sandra, as we're talking. Yeah. Um, an amusing calendar and an amusing Christmas planner are coming out um, by October this year. And they'll feature Muse and Writer. Muse is, of course, my funny feline assistant. Right. And one will be a 12-month calendar, and there'll be just, you know, funny snippets of Muse and Writer conversations and photography that I use with him. But I was just thinking about this. With calendars, when you, when you look back, countries changed to the current calendar we use between um, the 1600s and 1751-52. Wow. So when you look back, even George Washington's birthday is not what it really is today because what we had before were, was a calendar that really was more of a 10-month kind of a thing. It was just odd. And so what they did during the year that it was changed, they started doing 1751-52. Ah. And that would help you figure it out because um, – Several European countries, a lot of countries changed in the 1600s. Scotland changed the calendar in 1699. The UK, meaning England uh, and their territories, and the US was not the US at the, in the 1751-52. They were the British colonies, and we did everything. Money was British money. The calendar was British, you know, calendar. And so... Um, people whose birthdays fell during the 11 days that were dropped had a different birthday all of a sudden. Wow. You know, and we don't think about that, that how our birthdays or how our, even our holidays were affected. Um, Christmas wasn't always December 25th, you know, it changed over time. And because the calendar changed like mm, three, four, five times really since the birth of Christ, depending on what emperor decided to change such and so. And as astronomy became more scientific, meaning more exact, mm -hmm. they, they figured out that they couldn't just do a whole day, that they had to go to partial days. And then they had to go down to seconds. And that's where the leap year came from and all this kind wow. of stuff. You know? So when you start looking at all of these different tidbits and facts about historical calendars, you realize that our life system of the calendars that we use today was really set in place back in the 15 through 1600s and not even adopted uh, for the U.S. style version until 1752. Wow. And so it's like, what are we doing today that is going to affect somebody, um, you know, 300 years from now? Well, yeah, uh, and you look at, like, you've tied together your historical past, you know, like, that's what I think is cool, is that, you know, all of this, you know, stems from your family, like, you know, and it's, it's art, and it's, you know, it's, it's creativity, but there's these anchors in there in reality of really what was happening at the time, and it paints a picture. Yeah, it's the fascination for me wanting to ferret it out, to discover it, to go on this journey to discover the mystery of me. Um, 
to, and by the way, that's a, that's one of the TV shows that's in, that's being pitched right now is the mystery of me. And it's a Love genealogically based TV show, but it's really wanting to know the mystery of me, how I came to be. And I think that that is a very natural thing for people. Absolutely. People want to know what's, how did I come to be? And it's this kind of in the background thing that just niggles at you. And, and every now and again, you, you're like, well, I wonder why I speak that way or sing that way. And just or why the- we eat the meals we do. So, right. you know, when I dig into my genealogy, mine's German and Polish and the Polish side was a, a, just a mess because they didn't record anything, but the Germans kept such meticular, meticulous records all the way back to like the 1300s. I could yeah. trace it all back. And it was interesting because my grandfather was a butcher and I could go back like eight generations. They were all butchers, meat cutters, like, you know, whatever they identified them. All of them had to do with something with either animal farming, butchering, or, you know, meat cutting. And, you know, that went back hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of years. And I kept going and you would see, because in some of the German churches, they kept the records of like the husband was a meat cutter, you know, and then the wife, of course, she had no, only in the 1900s did they even have jobs for them. Right. You always saw the name Beck going back, meat cutter, meat cutter, meat cutter, meat cutter, you know, butcher, you know, whatever, you know, and depending on the time of the words were different, but it all had to do with the same profession because father to son, father to son, father to son. And And the last name often has the meaning of what their job was. So if you want to do genealogy, you start with, you can start with your last name mm-hmm. and your last name will tell you either what the job was or a location they were from. Um, my last name as in my maiden name was Bigelow, B-I-G-E-L-O-W. And it's funny because a lot of the, like in Scottish, I'm taking Scottish Gaelic now and big actually means small oh. <laughs> and, and low is a hill, you know? And so it's like there's a small hill where my family's from in England. Wow, <laughs> you know, it's like in so Northern cool. England, you know, because there was this crossover. There wasn't this, oh, this is the Scottish border because the borders have changed throughout history oh. as well, just like with Poland and Germany and oh, things right. like that. And it's really important that people first find out the significance of your last name. Does it, does it have to do with a job? Does it have to do with a place? Does it have to do with a, a um, landmark, you know, like a hill right. or a mountain or a or river. Black forest or, yeah. Right. Yep. And they could also do things which um, they mean something very different now, but often they could have been derogatory, you know, because they might have been trying to distinguish the person who um, was named the same but walked with a limp. And so they would add a tag onto it, T A G. And that's where I speak a little differently, being raised as I was raised. We'll sit around the table. And my kids just, they'll tease me mercilessly. They're adults and they still do it. Because when, but I, I was raised with my grandfather who had a slight Scots accent and my grandmother who had a Swedish accent. And so I have sometimes odd words that come out and tag, rig, big are some of them, you know, but I did not know that I had an accent when I said volcano. And it just sets my adult son into hysterical laughing. Every time he's like, say it again, mom, say it again. Say it again. <laughs> Don't, how do you say volcano? You know? And so then I said to my husband the other day, you know, I don't get it. What is the big deal? How do you say when uh, there's ash from a volcano? And I thought I had him on this one and I can't even say it the right way, but I say volcanic, right? 
And he's like, no, it's volcanic, volcanic. How do you say it? Volcano? Yeah. Volcanic. Yeah. Well, people, I guess, pronounce the L. I've I've all my life thought the L was silent. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like it sends my son into stitches to catch me on words that I have an accent, you know? And I'm like, well, why do I have an accent? Right, why do I? Yeah, so I started kind of going back, and um, that was really fascinating because when I got over, when I started doing some of the Scottish Gaelic, when I started learning the difference between Scottish Gaelic and Scots, um, I'm like, oh, that's how my grandpa talked. (laughs) Well, like my grandmother grandmother and grandfather said you take a taxi, or take taxi. You don't take a taxi, you take taxi, or you go downstairs. You don't go down the stairs, you know, little things like that, that, you know, give you a clue about your heritage. So your book is called the, um, your book is called, though there's many of them, but the one we're talking about. <laughs> the mail about order standoff. <laughs> mail off, mail order standoff. So and that's fast. <laughs> right. You can, yeah, really. You can buy it anywhere. Check out Angela Breidenbach. What was your handle on social media? Ange Breidenbach. Ange Breidenbach. Okay. We'll be back again next week with another great show. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.